Good evening. Welcome to tonight's edition of Daily Talk. This is Saturday, January the 26th, 2018. And I definitely want to welcome everyone to the show who's listening and to my wonderful guest, uh, Danya Wickham. Good evening, Danya. Well, I thought Danya was here already, and I thought Danya was on. So, maybe, maybe Danya will be here in just a moment. Good evening, Danya. Hello, I just pressed star six. Wonderful. Well, Danya Wiccan, our guest tonight is a return guest. She's been here on Daily Talk before a couple of years ago. And it was a wonderful show then, and we're glad to have you back, John. Yeah, I want to tell, tell our listeners, our listeners uh, a little, a bit, little about bit about you. John, you I'm, I'm getting I'm months. getting echoes. Yeah, yeah. Um, let, me um, let me try to correct that, that for you, Donya. Okay. Hi, Donya. I'm here too now. Hi, Mike. Howdy. That's Michael. Good evening now. Maybe you won't be getting an echo. Okay. Hi. Thank you. And good evening, Michael. Welcome to our show. Thank you. I would like to tell Thank all you. of our listeners a little about Donya Wiccan. She loves theater. She writes plays, several of which have been produced locally. Recent part of City Theater Festival. In fact, she wrote the Reincarnation Station based on characters that she channels in her daily wake-up pages in cooperation with Ben. And she'll talk a little more about Ben a little later during the show. Donya was born in Sacramento, California. As a child, she attended Protestant Evangelical Church and, and continued until as a teen she discovered a, the cognitive dissonance to be overwhelming. So she didn't join another church until her mid-30s, at which time she found a United Methodist University, and she graduated with a Master of Divinity. Between leaving the Evangelical Church and joining the Methodist Church, uh, she dropped in and out of college, uh, working a variety of jobs. She learned to do automatic writing in a poetry class. And that has become a very, very important part of her life. She explored the tarot, astrology, psychic healing, books on a variety of esoteric, I love that word, esoteric, which only means it's hidden. Just like the word occult simply means hidden subjects, usually when she was supposed to be doing something else. She told me that herself. And I guess we all we all are that way. We explore the things that are really important instead of the things that, that everybody tells us we're supposed to do. Varieties of Religious Experience by uh, William James was a life-changing book for her, as was Last Frontier by Julia Asante. And I'm sure Donya's going to weigh in a little bit on, on some of that as well. In 2002, she met Ben who at that time uh, was having a near-death experience on another continent. Think about that. Since then, she's filled many, many notebooks with his wisdom, and he's, he's quite a character, his brattiness, 
and uh, she's shared them with many people in, in Facebook groups and, and on her website, which anyone can go to and, and join and, and look at all this wonderful material, www.thezenofben.com. So, Donya, welcome to the show. Thank you, Rich. Good to be talking to you again. Donya, first off, I think everybody would love to know, how did you meet Ben, and how did the two of you communicate? Well, it's a, it's a weird story. Um, uh, you, you pointed out that, that automatic writing has become an important feature of my life. And um, that's sort of what made it possible. Um, one of my friends posted a whole bunch of stuff about Ben and his work on her Facebook page. And he was somebody I was not interested in. In fact, usually when uh, I tell people, when I decline to tell people who he is, I just say, well, he's not Steve Jobs. And I say that because even though I know who Steve Jobs was and I was aware of his work, he wasn't anybody I was interested in. I didn't have a Mac or a I anything. So he just wasn't mm-hmm. on my radar. And uh-huh. Ben was like that. So um, anyway, when I read all this stuff on, on uh, Michaela's Facebook page, I got really interested. And I started spending a lot of time reading about him and watching videos and stuff. And, uh, and it, you know, looking back, I realize now I was aligning with him. I was tuning into his vibrational frequency. There's all sorts of ways you can describe it. But that's, mm-hmm. it turns out, is exactly what you do when you want to communicate with someone on the other side. In fact, mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, so anyway, one day I was riding my bike through the park minding my own business, and I just got this chill. And it's the kind of chill that you read about in ghost stories where it, it feels like icy fingers on your neck or, you know, a cold blast of air out of the crypt, which, like, is true. That happens. But, but in the stories, they try to make it spooky. And this wasn't particularly mm-hmm. spooky, but I did feel that, that whole chill experience. And I realized someone was trying to get in touch with me and so I listened and I paid attention and I asked who was there and I got the distinct impression that it was this man that I had been reading about and studying and watching videos of for two weeks or ten days or something and so I didn't have any paper with me so I rushed home and sat down at the computer and and wrote you know who's there and, um, and he identified himself. And, um, you know, so we, and he, he was like hysterical. He was, he was screaming. He was, he was dying and he was trying not to die. And I later in, learned after we had more extensive conversations and I got better at, at what we call automatic writing, um, that he had a, a child he was trying to, uh, take care of, and he didn't want to die before uh, he was able to provide for her. Um, you know, and of course, I didn't know any of this from, I mean, he told me this while he was he was talking to me, but, you know, I didn't know it was true until, you know, weeks later when I actually read the story in the paper and and found out, like, oh my gosh, 
you know, this really happened. This this man really was having this problem while he was in the hospital with an illness that I had previously been unaware that he was suffering from. And so that's that's why I tell people I'm not going to tell you who he is because that's not important. But the important thing is that he was somebody sort of famous. He was he was well known enough in his field of endeavor that um that I could read about him in the paper or online. You know, his his illness and death were significant and they were noted. So that's that's as far as I'm concerned and as far as he's concerned, that's the only reason why it's important that he was a famous person. And uh anyway, so so once uh, we started conversing at the time he wasn't dead. He was he was you know, like I say, he was having this near death experience. Uh later he recovered from that and went into a coma. And he communicated with me from the coma. And then later he died and he communicated with me from the other side. But it was all it's all telepathic. You know, you can and see that's that's what I found so interesting is that whether he was alive or in a coma or dead, he could still communicate. Once we had made that connection, um, you know, it was all just telepathy and it didn't really matter what condition his body was in. And by the way, Donna, we have a lot of, of, of callers here and I wanna remind everybody, feel free to ask Donya a question at any point or or to make a comment if if you'd like. If something she says resonates with you, feel free to comment or ask a question. If you cool. have any questions. Michael, do you have a question? I'm I've known her all my life. I have none. <laughs> Henry, do you have a question? No, yes, no three. Yes, Go I ahead. do have a question. Uh I would like to get the lady's opinion. On, uh, okay. On whether the these war, these war people, these uh, like USA and Russia, whatever, uh, they're if they're communicating on a sub, some kind of subliminal level, they're they're uh, they're uh, their rage transcends the the miles and and uh, inter- and uh, interacts with the other's rage. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yes I do. And I don't really have an answer, a definitive answer, but I think that's entirely possible. Um mental energy travels. And um you know, if you can of course the best mental energy and I think the most powerful is love. And if you can convey love to somebody you know, continents away. I'm sure you can ex- convey anger and hate and and all that as well. And I think we ought to really work as hard as we can to keep it, you know, high frequency and and not fall into, you know, the hate and the desire to destroy. Hmm. Okay. Well, you know, I'll tell you something about... Go ahead, Tanya. Go ahead. Oh, I was going to say, I'm going to tell you something about me. I don't really know very much. I mean, basically everything I know about the afterlife and about uh, telepathy and and automatic writing, I learned it all from Ben. So there's a lot of people. In fact, there's probably someone on the line with us right now who know a lot more about these things than I do. 
And, um, you know, I'd certainly welcome them to comment if they want to. Yeah, most of the stuff I've learned about life, I've learned from dogs. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> and, of course, uh, since I've been communicating with Ben, I've been talking to dogs on the other side, and they're great. Mm. Well, I talk to them on this side. <laughs> well, Actually, um, yeah, as a matter of fact, I think you train dogs, don't you? I think a lot of your experience with animals is through training dogs. Yeah, I used to train dogs myself. Really? That's great. Um, what's your name? Henry Baxley. Henry. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm a, I'm a great dog lover, and, and I, I love people who can communicate with dogs. And I, I don't think it's that hard. They're, they're tele, telepathic just like everyone else, only smarter than most people. Right, right. Uh, yeah, yeah, they, uh, they, uh, well, it took me about 30 years to learn to shut up. <laughs> let, the, let the dog, you know, let the dog lead you. But, uh. I'm getting there. Well, you, you know something? That is the key to communicating with, well, for lack of a better term, dead people, uh, spirit. Uh, shut up and listen. You know, people yeah. say, oh, well, that's not possible, blah, 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 blah. Well, you know what? Shut up and listen. They're trying to talk to you all the time. Yeah. I don't mean you shut up and listen. I mean in general, <laughs> people should shut up and listen. People in general, yeah, I love this, yeah. Danya, uh, why does the book call Ben uh, an ordinary dead guy? Tell us about that. <laughs> uh, he's, he does have a sense of humor. Um, <laughs> when, when I first started realizing I was talking to him and who he was, uh, I, I started looking around for help. I mean, like, I'm, you know, what, am I crazy or what? And I, I started calling people and writing to people, like people who'd been on on talk shows and on like on coast to coast and people that I saw being interviewed about, uh, you know, non-local consciousness and, and stuff like that. And uh, the first thing I realized was that anybody I talked to, if I told them who he is, they wanted proof, you know, not just proof that he exists. They wanted proof of who he was. And they would say, tell me something about him that you wouldn't have any other way of knowing. Well, the thing is, if I don't have any other way of knowing, how am I going to know it's true? So I kind of got the feeling that we were off the, the point. Ben had things that he wanted me to tell people for him. And trying to explain him and prove who he was just just got in the way. And he said, don't don't tell people who I am. Uh, you know, it's not important. That's That's not what I'm about. And I said, well... Who shall I say you are? And he said, just say I'm an ordinary dead guy. And so <laughs> ever uh-huh. since, uh, except for very few close friends, I I just tell people that I talk to an ordinary dead guy named Ben. How do we know that what you're telling us is real? Uh, you, you mentioned you, Sante. Uh, could you tell us tell us a little bit more about how how you know it's real? Well, you know, I know it's real. 
because I've been, you know, basically living with Ben for several years now. But you don't know that I know it's real. And you know what? Uh, you don't have to. Um, ben <laughs> ben um, and I have a website, and people, you know, come check out his writings and, and leave messages. And this one man left a note that said, I'll believe in you if you tell me my mother's nickname. And I'm like, oh, no, we can't. I don't know how to do that. So Ben steps up and he says, you don't have to believe in me. Um, I'm not trying to start a religion. You know, if you, if you can't believe I'm real, that's okay. Just assume that Donya's a clever writer and enjoy the stories. And I thought, well, okay, that's kind of win-win for me. You know, I'm either channeling very charming spooky or I'm a clever writer. And, uh, and I got to thinking about it, and I've thought about it a lot since. Some of the most important stuff we learn is from fiction. Uh, some of the most important experiences we have, books that change our lives are, are fiction, movies that change our lives are fiction. So if this man thinks I'm writing fiction and is in some way benefiting from it, great. Now, I met a young man once. He was a friend of, he was son of friends of mine. And I knew him around the time he saw Star Wars for the first time. Now, you talk about a life-changing experience. It was like that movie suddenly gave him something to live for. He not only started attending school regularly, he started reading independently. He started writing. Um, he became quite an admirable man. And it was like, this was all about this dumb movie that I didn't even like that much. But it changed his life. And I'm saying, okay, fiction can do that. So if I'm writing fiction, more power to me. And otherwise, I would say, if someone is really interested in knowing whether or not what I'm doing is real and whether or not it's possible and whether or not mediums really do communicate with people on the other side, do it yourself. Nowadays, all the mediums, you know, except the ones who are trying to be exclusive, they're all saying, we all have the same gift. It's not a big deal. You, you work at it, you practice, you develop it, maybe get some coaching but you can do it. So if you really are interested, try it yourself. Um, a lot of people aren't interested. <laughs> a lot of people who to talk to uh, people like me about, about you know, the other side and, and uh, non-local consciousness, they really don't want to know about it. They just want to make a big point of how much they don't believe in it. And that's fine too. But Seriously, anybody who wants to communicate with the other side, try it yourself. You, you know, there's a there's a gospel song called the other on the other side. Uh huh. You, you ever heard it? I'm not sure if I have or not. I've heard quite a few gospel songs. You want to sing it for us? Oh no, I'm, no, no, I'm not saying right. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting that there's a talks about, uh, you know, the other side in a religious sense, you know. Mm-hmm. So. Like in the sweet by and by, we'll meet on that beautiful shore. 
Yeah, there's a lot of that. And those are some of the best songs, too. So the, the, my point is that uh, there's a lot of people out there, I would say the majority of people, believe in another side. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Or whether religiously or or uh, karma or whatever, you know, whatever you want to call it. Uh People have a tendency to believe and and not believe at the same time. With with we are uh, we are polarized creatures. We're not uh, not, uh, not individual entities. Mm-hmm. Self, which which uh, which which uh, shows up when isolated. You know, when you're isolated, isolation, isolation confinement, people uh-huh. are crazy. And we're mm-hmm. separated. We're separated also by our brains. Our brains are in two hemispheres, not one. Uh-huh. So there's a lot going on that's not physical. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Much more, much more than is physical. I'd like to ask you, Danya, uh, yeah. we talked a little about animals earlier. I'd like to ask you, when did you start talking to animals in the gray space? And could you tell us a little about what the gray space is? Sure. Um, well, a couple of years after I started talking to Ben, um, he, you know, I would I'd wake up and have these scared feelings, and he told me that, since I'm one of those people who can't even go to the shopping mall without picking up other people's emotions, he said, you've probably got a crowd around you that you can't see and you're picking up their emotions. And he advised me to just ask who they are, keep my pen and paper handy, and, and write down what they tell me. So that, that was, that's what started my wake-up pages. And I talked to a lot of different people who had a lot of different reasons why they didn't feel they could move on to the timeless, spaceless place. And that's, that's mm-hmm. how Ben calls your, your ultimate destination, the TSP. And um, so... Timeless, spaceless, okay. Timeless, yeah, because there's no time and there's no space there. And he also goes on to add that that's where all the infinite possibilities happen at once. Well, anyway, eventually, by and by, after I'd written notebooks full of these stories about, um, you know, people who who are just stuck, and that nobody's punishing them, they're not imprisoned, uh, they're not roaming around haunting the earth, they're just they're just the way you are when you can't make up your mind. You know, should I go or should I stay? Should I keep this job or quit? Should I? Uh, move to Minneapolis, or should I stay in St. Paul? Uh, it's that stuck place, which isn't really a place at all. And it is largely caused by by someone not being able to let go of something, like a relationship mm-hmm. or a, a job that they have to finish or, or uh, they need to apologize for something or they need revenge for something. And so 
you know, I, I'd get one of these people, and then I'd call Ben, and he'd give them a little counseling and help them to make up their mind to move on. And eventually, oh, I remember it was my dog, Maggie. Uh, I, I got a, a call from her. It wasn't one of my wake-up visits. It was just during the day. And I felt this weird feeling, and I asked Ben what, what was going on, and uh, he said, oh, it's, it's Maggie. So I you know, I wrote down what she was saying to me, and she, she just wanted to let me know everything was fine, and uh, she hoped she could come back and meet my dog again sometime. And, uh, you know, she thought I was a good person and, and she was happy being my dog when she was here. And, and actually that made me feel very good because I, I sometimes really doubted I was as good of a dog person as I should have been. But what, well, ha- what happened? You, you, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, I, I hear a caller asking a question. Okay. Well, anyway, the, what happened after that was I asked Ben, how could I be communicating with Maggie? She's a dog. She doesn't she doesn't speak with words. And Ben said, she's talking to you the same way I do, with thoughts. People, disembodied people and disembodied animals talk with thoughts. And people like mm-hmm. me hear the thoughts and write them down. And we actually don't even realize we're translating into words. But that's what we're doing. Well, once I realized I could communicate with Maggie, then all of a sudden, all sorts of animals started joining my wake-up, <laughs> my wake-up calls, and um, and it wasn't really that much different from talking to people. You just have to kind of adjust your frequency, you know, like you're tuning a radio. John, you and in speaking of, of those animals, and and earlier you mentioned getting stuck. Can we cause our pets to get stuck? Um, yeah, uh, it, it, it's not, doesn't happen very often. Um, the only animals that I know of that I've encountered that do get stuck are stuck because of their relationship with human beings. Um, we had one, one cat named Elliot who couldn't mm-hmm. cross over because his people just kept crying and crying and crying and they, they didn't want to go on living without him and they were and he felt so bad. And uh, so finally I got hold of Ben and Ben explained to him that one of the jobs of human beings is to learn how to deal with loss and to get on with their lives. And, you know, he explained that Elliot did a good job and, you know, Elliot should move on and, and let the people, you know, do their grieving and get over it. But um, it, it takes a lot, really, to, to keep an animal stuck, you know, from emotional attachment. Uh, more likely, it's, it's going to be something like, um, oh, well, we've all heard the, the stories of the dogs waiting at the train station. There's a lot of those. Uh, Greyfriars, Bobby, uh, what's Hachiku or something like that. Anyway, they, the dog waits at the station and the master doesn't come home. He had a stroke or a heart attack or something while he was out of town. The dog waits and waits and waits. Well, dogs do that after they die, too. And I've, got, I've gotten a couple of them who just refuse to budge from the spot where they're waiting. Uh, one of them, he wouldn't, he wouldn't leave. He wouldn't even let Ben take him to the timeless, spaceless place. He had to go get this dog's master and bring him 
so that Lad could see him. That was his name, Lad. And and uh, you know, and then Lad's master took him home to the TSP. But um, dogs can be very stubborn. They're they're so faithful, and when when they are waiting for what they expect, and and especially if there's an element of loyalty involved, oh, they're hard to shake. But yeah, that's what they do. We have I'm trying to think of other situations. Go ahead. We have someone in the chat room, Danya, a, a Reverend Kenneth R, who says, "I believe in the afterlife, and I believe there is a heaven." Do you think that probably many people's term for heaven is, is a, a reference to the timeless, spaceless space? I think I think that's possible. I mean, a lot of people have a very narrow concept of heaven. Uh, you know, it's exclusively for Christians, and you know, you wear these outfits, you know, with the long robe, and you know, if you get your wings, then you get to wear those. Um, but the thing is, I, I think an awful lot of people don't really have uh, that kind of an understanding of heaven. They just don't have a better word for it. They, they're sure something, there's an afterlife, and they're, they're hoping it's good. And so the best they can come up with for terminology is heaven. But I like Ben's term, the timeless, spaceless place, because it includes heaven, and it includes all sorts of other possibilities as well. And and in fact, as he says, the possibilities are infinite. So, you know, you can kind of go there and, and pretty much create the environment you want. Speaking of animals again, Donya, do animals reincarnate as people uh, and vice versa? And uh, is being incarnated as a lower life form a type of punishment or, or karmic payback? You know, um, we here in in the West, we're we're really stuck in this sort of dualism, like where we think everything has to be bad or good, um, you know, right or wrong, high or low, and so a lot of people who have kind of given up on heaven because it just well because of that um, that dissonance I, I referred to earlier, um, they. They move on and they they get interested in karma, and uh, you know other religions and and their approach to the afterlife, uh, and yet it's still kind of um, about punishment or about hierarchy or about uh, being deserving or not deserving, and and one of the things that a lot of people are real real convinced of is either A, that animals don't have souls at all, or B, that they're different from human souls, and that there's no way uh, a human could incarnate as an animal or an animal as a human. Or they go the route that if you do something terrible in this life, you'll reincarnate as as a lower species. And Ben doesn't buy any of that. Um, For one thing, uh, he's absolutely adamant that animals do have souls, he had this conversation with uh, uh, one of my wake-up people called Clark, and Clark wanted to go where his dogs are. He said that he knew that um, dogs didn't go to heaven because his teachers told him that dogs don't have souls. And he said, well, he wanted to go where his dogs are. And so Ben had a little conversation with him, and finally he said, can a dog love you? 
And Clark, yeah, of course. And Ben said, well, isn't that what it means to have a soul? And at that point, Clark was convinced that, you know, his, his dogs were where they needed to be and he was going to go there with them. Wow, that is incredible. Can you tell us uh, why people choose to reincarnate as animals? Well, <laughs> we got a, a one of one of mine was a little pig. She's a pot-bellied pig, and she was a, a pet, and she loved her people. And um, it turns out that she was um, she was on vacation. She she had you know everybody has a soul team. Some people call them soul groups. But basically, we have have a, a team that we incarnate with and we work on projects with. Well, her team decided she was ready for a vacation, so they set her up as a as a pampered pet. Um, some people, you know, they their their life is so intellectual and so intense and so enclosed that they want to get out and run, and so they might incarnate as a gazelle or a lion and and you know enjoy the thrill of the chase. And since they're, they don't take death nearly as seriously as we do, going out and spending a few years as a, an, either a predator or a prey or both, um, that could be a lot of fun. That could be exciting, give you a break from, you know, being an accountant all day. This is Wendy. Could I add to that comment, Donya? Hi, Wendy. How are you? Good to hear from you. Yes, please do. I I think we incarnate for the experiences, so that's why it makes sense to me that anything is possible because we've got free will. And in my past life regression sessions, I definitely have worked with clients who have found um, lives and experiences as something other than uh, something other than human. So I, I think anything is possible. Well, you know, one of the examples Ben gave is um, there are people who have been soldiers, for example. Maybe they were killed in battle and they want to go back and be with their outfit and um, maybe protect some of their guys or uh, finish something. And uh, so they will in- incarnate as a German shepherd and become a military dog. Um, that will be a war maybe dog. Maybe somebody yeah. knows. Yeah. Maybe somebody knows somebody who's blind and needs some help, so they incarnate as a guide dog. Uh, there's all sorts of ways that that animals can be of service without having to commit to a full human lifetime. Yeah, that makes great sense. I just I think it's so moving because they just they love us so much and they're just willing to play that role. Um, and they also teach us unconditional love. I mean that's. So much of what dogs and cats and horses and other animals do for us, they just model that so beautifully. And I think sometimes, uh, you know, somebody who's had a, a rich, full life and, and maybe really wants to spend a little more time with a, a, a friend or a spouse or a child that he's had to leave too soon, he'll go back and be their cat. Absolutely. I think Donia, it can, can also be. Um, go ahead. I'm sorry, Rich. Go Maybe. ahead. I, I think they well, can also can be. Ins- I think they can also be um, inspiration. My 
eldest daughter wants to become a veterinarian and that came up for her because her rabbit died and it was very unexpected and just you know seemed very healthy and was fairly young four or five years old so it was just really a surprise and Mm -hmm. I have an animal communicator friend and I asked her um, six months or a year later what was that all about was there any was there any purpose to that and she tuned in and, and spoke with the rabbit and the rabbit said I came in to inspire her to be a vet um, because she just then was very, very interested in, you know, learning, well, why did that happen and could it have been prevented and could there have been a different outcome? Um, And the rabbit went on to say that um, he didn't particularly like being a rabbit, but he was willing to do it for a couple years to be with her and to inspire her and help get her on her life path and that he was now much happier as a dog. <laughs> oh, cool. <laughs> I'd rather be a dog too, really. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I totally think that, that um, you know, that's all part of the planning process. That, you know, it's, it's not like there are some wretched creatures that, you know, never get to do anything except be mice and some that get to, you know, compose symphonies. I, I think, according to Ben, you know, it's, it's, um, the the soul thing it's like we're not exclusive finite bits of soul we actually can combine in various ways and uh, he he talks about the the giant slurpy machine you know where all the icy flavors come out of the machine and uh, uh-huh. you know they could be in different containers and and different mixtures and uh you know that's that's kind of one of his his little uh, metaphors for, for right, what it's like right. having a, being a soul and, and having a body. I like that analogy. Go. Danya, tell us what is the soul team? Oh, okay. Well, everybody, you know, who talks about souls and afterlife stuff, they talk about um, soul groups. And... Uh, the um, oh, out here. Um, okay, we reincarnate in groups, and you have a bunch of people, a bunch of souls that you work with, and we generally think about, you know, why am I incarnating in this situation? Why am I doing this? Why me, me, me? Why am I doing? What was I thinking? Well, what it's really about is, is that we're part of projects. Uh, things happen and they need people to come and participate. Um, Ben's favorite example is the music of the 1960s and 70s. Um, You know, he showed me a picture of all of these rock stars parachuting out of airplanes down to to the earth to to bring this uh, high-energy music that he says was actually... um, helping to compensate for the, the very bad negative energy that was being generated by the Vietnam War. And, and so all of these people with their strange hair and their strange sounds and their strange accent, uh, this was a project. This was, um, this was planned to help 
um, balance the earth so that it wouldn't be completely taken over by negativity. Any of our callers have a question they'd like to ask? Hello? Anyone on 425. Who would like to ask a question? 425 area code. Or how about 410? That's me, but I have no question. Okay. Donnie, I think you prepared a couple of actual skits that actually happened, actual uh, transactions or conversations that you have those ready with what was that i have no idea but but i muted it so it came up when you were talking about the upbeat music of the 60s and 70s and we suddenly <laughs> start getting this bleed through of music so is ben having fun <laughs> well if he That's is i'm going to have a stern talking to him later <laughs> So anyway. Yeah. Yeah, it keeps trying to come through. Okay, so um, you were going to ask me something. Uh, let's do one of the skits that you had prepared the script that is based on actual. These are actual conversations or interactions, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, they are. And, you know, it, one of the things that I discovered with, um, with these uh, wake-up pages is that they actually make very good theater. And uh, some of my actor friends took a collection of these scenes to uh, a, uh, an assisted living facility and uh, and actually put them on a show. And I was uh, I was concerned that these elderly people might not like hearing about people in the gray space and you know beyond. They loved it, and and I thought you know really these these characters could be in any situation, not just dead. They could be you know contemplating a divorce or buying new shoes, uh, but. Uh, in this case, uh, this this character we'll we'll do we'll talk about Michael. Michael is the uh, is is the mm-hmm. racehorse. And what happened was he woke me up way too early, and he was really obnoxious. He was just he was like somebody's really nasty boss. And he was and I finally said, look, I'm I need to sleep, so I can't talk to you right now. You come back during my office hours uh, when I'm when I'm ready to write, and and you can talk to me. And I said, you know, wouldn't you like to just go go with Ben right now? He says, no, I want you to, I want to talk to you, and I want you to write everything down. I see your notebook and your pen are over there on the table next to your Android device. Um, have them ready. 
And I said, okay, well, I'll, I'll do that after I wake up properly. Uh, do you want to wait? And he said he would be waiting. So anyway, I finally got back to Michael. And um, I said, are you here, Michael? Hello, I'm waiting. Thank you. What can I do for you, since you so kindly pointed out where my notebook and pen were? I'm in this gray space, and I want something better. You could go to the TSP with Ben. No. Okay, tell, tell me who you are. I'm Michael. A man? I'm a horse. I see. And why are you in the gray space? Nobody cleaned my stall or made my bed. I want the stall to be the way it's supposed to be. I hate it when people don't do everything the way they're supposed to. How did you know I have an Android? <laughs> it's not an iPhone. All of my people have iPhones. Everyone should have an iPhone. Do you know that you're dead? I don't care. That's no excuse for sloppy work. Do you know how you died? No. Uh, n no. Um, I, I, uh... Do you want to talk about it? I was shot. I broke my leg. I was put down. I hated being shot. They must have done it to spare you pain. I could have won. Not with a broken leg. I could have been... Uh... A stud? <sighs> I think they did what seemed right. You don't think you could have healed? I was too hurt to race. I didn't want to, I didn't want to retire and hang out in a pasture. And be a stud? I don't think I could have. Hind leg. A horse needs strong legs for foal making. Do you want to talk to Ben? I uh, I guess so. Does he know about horses? He knows about a lot of things. Hi, Michael. Ready to move on? I I guess so. I'm not good for anything here. Michael, I want you to see your stall. Look. Oh, it's clean. And it has some wreaths and some plantings. That's right. And they put a brass plaque on the door. It's for me. In memory of Michael, a noble steed. That's me. Not just a horse. A steed. They aren't neglecting you. No, I'm a steed, and I'm honored with a plaque, and my, 
and my stall is clean and beautiful. But if, if another horse moves in, he'll know about me, and, and he'll aspire to be as noble as I was. Yes, I'm sure that will happen. I want to go to the TSP now. You have plans for your next class? I want to be a horse trainer. I want to train horses to accomplish feats that will amaze and inspire without being cruel or hurtful. I'll show the world how to treat animals beautifully so they'll achieve greatness in my care. So long, Michael. See you in the TSP. Well, that was a wonderful exchange. Now, I believe you have an exchange that took place with Matilda. Let's, let's do that one now, Donna. Okay. Is Matilda here? She is. Oh. Okay, hold on a second. I've got to find my Matilda script. <laughs> uh, let's see. Oh, I know, I know, right here. Uh, um, you know, uh, Wendy, you could talk about something while I'm looking for my script. Okay. Well, I just, I just think it makes perfect sense how Michael wanted to come back as a horse trainer because doesn't that just round out the experience? And, you know, one time maybe you're the horse owner and another time you're the horse trainer and another time you're the horse and another time you're the guy or the gal who mucks the stables. It just, it just makes sense to me to because I really believe we're trying to progress by looking at things from every angle. I think that's absolutely right. And, and see, a lot of people talk about it in terms of karma. Oh, you were not a good horse owner. You have to be the horse this time. And uh, I, I think it's, as you say, much more about experience. And, uh, you know, the, there was that story about King Arthur and how Merlin the Magician turned him into all these different kinds of animals. And it was so he yes. could have these different kinds of experiences and be a better king for it. Absolutely. Oh. And I, I don't see karma as punishment. I see it as a teaching tool. So it depends on what you see as the purpose of karma. And if you mm-hmm. um, see it as, as a, a way of learning, then it just shifts everything. And then there's no oh, more yeah, absolutely. You know, punishment that you have to come back as a bug or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Somebody <laughs> suggested you could get punished by coming back as a pig, but I think Matilda will disprove that. I found my script. <laughs> you want to? Okay, great. All right. Oh, I'm Matilda. Wake up, visitor was Matilda. Oh, I'm I'm oh, sorry. Geez. Say that again. <laughs> okay, go ahead. I'm Matilda. Uh, how can I help? Hello. I'm trying. I'm trying to find a way to be. I'm Matilda. Me. Uh, how can I help? Be living. Hello? Hello? What's happening? It sounds like we have sure. another caller calling I'm, in. I'm, I, I looked, but I'm not, I'm not so certain about that because I heard an echo uh, on the Matilda as well. Okay, go ahead. Uh, okay, let's see. You're, you're trying to find a way to be. And I say be? Be living. You're dead. I am, but I think I should be living. 
Tell me more. I'm ready to be living again. I should not be dead. Do you want to start another life? I'd like to. What's the problem? You can go to the TSP and start over. But I... Is there something you aren't telling me? I'm a pig. I'm a little pot-bellied pig. I was a pet, and I loved my family, and I want to be with them and be their pig again. I'll get Ben. Hello, Matilda. I'm Ben. I'm a pig, and I want to be a pig and be adored by my Come on, you can't fucking tell me all these people are for dead people, right? Well, that just got muted. I am not going to allow that type of language on the show, and that was a new caller, and they did just call in, and I did mute it. Okay, Okay. sorry to interrupted, Matilda. You are a pig, and you want a good life. But you had a good life, Matilda. Matilda? Did you mute Matilda? No, I don't think so. Certainly not intentionally. Wendy, are you still with us? I'm here. Good. You are Matilda, and you had a good life. I did. I lived a long time for a pig, and I died of old age, and they buried me in the garden. There are many lovely ways to live. But I want my family. They're in the TSP, and you can meet them there. And then you and they and the other members of your team can all decide what adventure to embark on next. You mean I'm not a pig? You're a soul that spent some time as a piggy. In other lives, you've been a hero and a saint. Your team decided to give you a vacation and let you be a pampered pet while they carried out their human mission. I want to be part of my team. Come with me. I'll walk you home. Wee, wee, wee. (laughs) Wonderful, wonderful. And, you know, Matilda gives us a a nice example of um, how you can, well, what we talked about, how how you can actually choose to be uh, an animal as a kind of a vacation from maybe you've had a whole lot of hectic human lives, and this this was her chance to This is the fakest shit I've ever seen in my life. Fakest shit ever. That person just got muted again, and I don't know how they're getting in, but they are, and it says guest in my little inbox over here in the chat room. So, again, I apologize for the the interruption. (laughs) Okay, proceed. Proceed, Danya. Okay, well, um, yeah, this kind of answers some of the questions about about animals reincarnating and... and, um, and do they? And uh, see, for Ben, it's a given. You know, you just um, everybody everybody reincarnates if they want to, and that's another thing. You know, so many people get stuck in the gray space not only because they're afraid of hell, but because they're afraid of incarnating into a terrible life. 
And and one of the things that Ben tries to talk people into letting go of is is their fear of awful things happening to them in the afterlife. Because basically, that's done. You know, the awful stuff is done. And, uh, you know, then you get to go on and, and do what whatever you want to do next. And I've had some somebody ask if, well, do you have to reincarnate? And uh, he said, well, you could go lounge by the pool and drink Mai Tais. And uh, a number of people thought that was a good idea, at least for a while. Bullshit! Bullshit! See, the thing is, everything anybody says about the afterlife, including the term afterlife, it's a metaphor. Nobody can really explain what is over there, or right here, actually, because... Well, it's like uh, Ben says, it's like seeing one frame from from a two-hour movie. You know, you, you, you cannot possibly process through your physical senses um, everything that there is to see and know about infinite possibilities. So, so we have to make things up. We have to make up kings and we have to make up um, just um, heavens and... and um, whatever we have to make up. Uh, uh, Julia Sante refers to uh, the way a lot of people talk about the life between lives as, as being sort of a Northern California Esalen Institute experience where you have, you know, groups and you, you practice yoga and you have uh, counselors telling you when you're allowed to reincarnate or not. And that is exactly the way it would appear to somebody who, for example, has grown up in schools all their life. You know, they talk about Earth school. And if you're a college professor and you've spent your entire life in school, that would make sense to you. But if you were a Viking or a Yanomamo warrior or something, Earth school and, uh, you know, Esalen Institute facilities don't really make that much sense to you. So, so you would have a different view of what it's like. But you'd be describing it in terms that your physical senses can understand, but that wouldn't mean that it's either literally true or limited to that vision. Mm-hmm. Should probably, I should probably keep talking before she comes back. Um, yeah, I was answering the question. Go ahead, Wendy. I, w- I would like for both of y'all to weigh in on the overwhelming lesson from Ben and and from your communication with those on the other side. What 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 one message do you have you'd like to send to all of our listeners tonight? Well, I would like to say that Ben wants to say you should not be afraid to die, and you should not be fearful for what's happening to your loved ones. Um, they're fine. If you talk to a, a medium who, who tells you they're fine, they're right. Um, so he's, he's basically back here to help people who have trouble crossing over to get over and also to help people understand that it's okay. You can die when it's your time and, and nothing bad's going to happen. I think that's a wonderful message. Wendy? Do you have a comment or anything you would like to 
what Ian or add to that? Not. Wendy, would you like to add anything to, to what Donya just said? Yes, I think Ben teaches, um, as the wonderful beings of light on the other side do, he teaches us to love. He teaches us that that's what's there and that's what it's really all about and teaches us to let go, as she said, um, as Donya said, to just release that fear because when you're in a lot of pain or just have other things going on, um, it's, it can be really hard to let go. And if you've been indoctrinated by religion or society, that it can be um, really concerns on the other side, it can make you not want to go because your head is filled with, with fear. So it's just getting that ego balanced and knowing that it's love. We came from love and we can be love, and that's what we're going back to. Thank you very much for that, and I want to express again to Danya how much I appreciate you being here tonight, and tonight's Thank episode you. will be made. You're welcome. I'd like to have you again on as a guest, and Wendy, I know you're coming up very soon on my show. Yes. Look forward to it. Thank you, Rich. And thank you, Donya. And Michael, what a great reading you did. And Henry had Isn't he fabulous? Uh, thank you. Thank, <laughs> thank you. I, I look forward to doing it again. Okay. All right. It's great. Look forward to it. <laughs> thank I want you. To thank everyone for being here. And, and I want to wish everyone a wonderful evening. Thank you, Rich. Good night. Thank everyone. you, Rich. Good night. Good, good, good night.